Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My guest today is an author. She is an inspirational speaker and and counselor. She does all kinds of interesting things that fit really well into the theme of our show. I'd like to introduce you to Corby Mitleid. Welcome, Corby. It's a delight to be here, Dr. Paul. Thank you. You introduce yourself in a more interesting way than I introduce yourself. (laughs) Well, when I try to explain to people what I do, is I explain that I am a cross between Steve Behrman, who is known as Swami Beyondananda, and uh-huh. Wayne Dyer. I'm funny as all get out, but normal enough that you could borrow my lawnmower. <laughs> and I do that because when people laugh, their shields drop. You can get the information in. They listen just that little bit better. Right. And when they listen, their life starts to change. In these magic, it does. magical, magic, right, Corby? Is that what it is? It's, it is the wake-up call, yes. <laughs> so you have been in the business of assisting people, I think, just see if this is fair, to see themselves more truthfully, to connect with their world in a way that, that empowers them to do exactly what the purpose of this show is, to live on purpose. Would you say that that's that's fair? It's exactly right. What I try to help people get is clarity on who they are and why they already have the tools they need to make the changes they want. My whole thing is you don't need a guru to change your life. You need the person in the mirror. Right, because they're already equipped with everything that they need to move forward in some really powerful and inspiring ways. Absolutely. But we tend to get in our own way, right? What do you mean? We're trained. We're trained to get in our own way. Is when we are kids, we're taught, for instance, to ask for what we want. We're selfish, we're wrong, we'll be punished, and somebody else will get it. At least that is how uh, we as women were taught. Always, we should say no, even if we want something. We should say, take the last cookies. To the point where when a client comes to me and I say, well, what do you want? They literally look at me frozen like a rabbit right. and say, I don't know. And they truly don't. So that was the purpose of the book that I've just written to show you that you can clean out your own life closet. It's getting rid of those things that are no longer you that stop you, that you were taught that simply don't fit you like that really bad pink and purple Hello Kitty sweater from Aunt Mabel. You're not going to wear it. What's it in your closet for? Right. And we tend to store these things up and thinking that uh, there might be some utility to it at some point, or why do we even keep Mm -hmm. these things? We keep them out of... Um, a sense of loyalty. Well, if my mom said this about me, she must have been right. We keep it out of loyalty to who we were. 
uh, when I was in my mid-20s, I went swanning around in gorgeous Tudor gowns at Renaissance reenactment events. And all I wanted to do is be queen of the East Kingdom. Mm. I'm 61. <laughs> you know, I can no longer even wear those gowns. And that is not where my interest lies. But if I kept that in my life closet as, gee, I should get back to that. Mm. It means that closet is full and I can't put in what I truly want now. Right. So we need clarity. We need adaptability, learning to go with the flow. We need simplicity, how to live life like we're in a tiny house. And we have to learn to live with that 21st century companion stress and see where it's useful and where it's not. And if it's not useful, how to ditch it. I'm hearing behind all of this, Corby, that it's okay to change to allow yourself permission to develop and grow and move forward with your life rather than hanging on to something that may not be serving you well anymore. One of the most powerful things people can do is ask the next question. Uh, This is something that I learned at a wonderful place in Massachusetts called the Option Institute run by Barry and Samaria Kaufman. Life really comes down to three questions. What are you unhappy about? Why are you unhappy about that? What do you think would happen if you stopped being unhappy about that? You can change the word unhappy to why are you disappointed? Why are you afraid? Why are you stuck? What do you think would happen if you stopped being? We never get to that third question. But when we do, life opens up for us fabulously. There are so many principles that I think are obvious but unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Obvious but not noticed. And as a as a an inspirational guide or a coach, you probably have found yourself in this position before where you get to illuminate that obvious thing. Mm-hmm. And those questions have an obvious but unnoticed truth behind them, that there is some element of choice that we don't even see sometimes. We don't connect to it. It's obvious but unnoticed as long as we're just running the autopilot programs, whatever we've been trained, taught, and educated to believe already. That's right. And unfortunately, these days, we're in a victim mentality. Professional victims get put on Dr. Phil. Professional victims are the ones that get all the, the nice prizes from the, the old you know, home expansion things. Mm-hmm. But choice is like standing on a precipice and you are seeing... 360 degrees, you can go anywhere. Uh, With me, look, I did the cancer dance three times, okay? Wow. Notice I don't say I was a victim, Mm -hmm. I was a survivor, I fought it. The way I chose to look at it is why I'm here at 61 in really great shape and clean. I decided that doing the cancer dance showed you how graceful you could be under pressure, avoided getting my toes stepped on. And I mostly got off the dance floor in one piece. Did it change the fact that I had cancer and had to have a double mastectomy? No. Right. But how I chose to see it affected the rest of my life. So even if you think you don't have choices, you have choices on how you will handle what's in front of you. I have to tell you, Corby, at least in part, your invitation to this show today is Mm -hmm. because of the cancer dance. When I read that in your book, I thought, okay, here's someone who thinks differently. It it, 
so common when something painful, challenging, difficult comes up in our life. We want mm-hmm. to the label that actually shuts down our own ability to deal with it. Have you noticed that? It's, it shuts down our ability, shuts down our immune system. And the way I see it, the fact that I did the cancer dance and came out clean means universe, God, source, whoever is saying, do me a favor, teach with this because you have things that other people need to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they first told me about it, yeah, I was only married a year and a half. And they said, we're going to take you from this Dolly Parton figure to a fire plug Mm. with all kinds of of side effects you'll never be able to avoid and just suck it up and deal with it. So did I go home and cry? Of course I did. But then I went right back into the idea, okay, I need to find three things to be happy about. What are they going to be? Quick. Number one, um, if you don't have them, you can't get cancer there. Number two, they're not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, fine. Implants? Well, I'll be perky till I'm 93. I can handle this. <laughs> and were they ridiculous? Yes. But they worked. And I got out of Mass General in three days, shocked for a bathing suit in five, and have not looked back. Wow. There you go. And now, uh, married, going on 15 years. So even a marriage survived the tough stuff. Yeah. Probably, probably more than survived, I'm guessing. Because these kinds of experiences change the game. They really do. You know, um, the way I explain it is when you get married, there's a period of playing house. And then there's a period of serious relationship. And for a lot of people, it's playing house until she gets pregnant and she has the first baby or whatever. For us, since we got married in our late 40s, and no kids. It was playing house until all of a sudden, boom. But that's when I found out what a hero my husband was, because he looked at me and said, am I going to miss him? Oh, yeah, they were gorgeous. But I married you, not them. And it's taken work. And it's taken the understanding that a marriage is truly a 60-60, not a 50-50. But we are probably more in love now than they were the day we got married in 2002. Right. As as listeners of the show, I, I know that some of you are probably looking at your own life and whatever dance it is that you've taken on. Corby, you're sharing with us that you took on the cancer dance and that, that C word is one that a lot of people fear. A lot of people are in the dance right now. Yes. I, I'm tying this back into your book. Clean out your life closet and how we get cluttered up with things we don't even need. And then that, that makes it so that we don't have room for the things we do want. As you pointed yes. out, sometimes we don't even know what we want. Where would you, where would you steer us? Um, especially if we've got listeners on who, who are in the dance and maybe finding that it's a dance step that they don't do well or that they that isn't serving them well. Walk us through that, would you? A, a couple of steps that you've covered. The, well, it is the way the book is done. And the first part is about clarity. If we're not clear, then we can't focus. Whether, you know, I mean, think about if you're wearing contact lenses and they're smudged or... Um, the windshield on these rotten, rotten winter days when all the gunge comes 
throwing up on the windshield and the windshield wipers run out of fluid. We can't see. Mm-hmm. So in order to handle things, you need to get clear. There's clarity of purpose. There's clarity in your relationships. There's even clarity with your relationship to spirit, however you see it. Christian, Jewish, Ralph the Wonder Dog, I don't really care. Um, when we get clear on those things, then we are ready to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And we see what's useful in our life, what isn't. We understand how perfect isn't what we think it is. Mm-hmm. We can take any situation. Um, there, There's a chapter in the book that I talk about that. Uh, and it was just this past... Um, past birthday. And I was in the midst of uh, some problematical side effects. Mm -hmm. And so I was on heavy duty antibiotics and everything that normally happens on my birthday couldn't. And so I just said, let's figure out why this is perfect. Perfection can be flexible. It can mean considering other ideas and changing course. It can mean giving attention to what really matters, not what somebody else thinks. Perfection can be found in the tiniest moments and the most ordinary occurrences. Let's say someone is doing, let's say they're doing the divorce dance. Mm -hmm. They can look at the good things that they have had and realize, number one, I at least had these. There's the old saying, better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all. They can perhaps decide what they want to take from the marriage. Um, I've been divorced. The guy I married before my Carl, we moved down to Atlanta. And I'm sorry, I'm not a Magnolia. I'm a bagel. I'm from New York. Atlanta was a totally different planet. And he said, well, I'm done with being married and we're getting a divorce and I'm going to California and you're not invited. And no, there's nothing you can do. Boom. Boom. Well, for three weeks. For three weeks, I played the wounded wife. Then I said to myself, what is it that I truly want? Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to keep my friends because Rich and I had been friends for 12 years. So I said to him, I made the choice. I would give up the wounded wife game Mm -hmm. and say, okay, if you need to divorce me, that's fine. But I want to keep my friend and I want to do this kindly. Everything changed. We did everything on a handshake. We stayed friends from the divorce in 1993 to the day he died in 2007. And um, to be perfectly honest, I got a a big reward from upstairs because uh, Rich and I used to send each other birthday cards all the time up to the year he died. I was doing a lecture at a spiritualist church in Rochester, New York. And it was what I call rookie day where uh, congregational members got to give messages. And there I am dressed in what I call my charismatic California preacher suit, all white, white stilettos like that. Nice. And this poor kid walks up to me with a look on her face. They're going to put me away. And she goes, Reverend, Reverend Corby, I have a message for you. I said, yes, go ahead. And she closes her eyes and she says, there's this very heavy set guy. And he looks like Santa Claus only. He's blonde and he's in a red t-shirt and shorts and sandals. And he's holding what looks like a, a Siamese with long hair. And he's blowing kisses. Well, that was rich. Oh, he had gone to California. He was always in shorts and sandals. The red T-shirt was a gift I had given him, and the cat he was holding was the first cat that he and I ever got together. And it was a week before my birthday. Can I explain oh, this? Wow. Not on your life. <laughs> but if we had had a nasty divorce, you think he would have bothered? I don't. Uh, probably. So not. those are the kinds of miracles that if you make a choice differently, you have no idea what kind of presence the universe has for you. None. Mm. 
I like the energy of this conversation. Folks, this is Corby Mitleid at Live On Purpose Radio. We will be right back. You all know that I'm excited about positive psychology. Finally, there is an app that is available to help you feed your happy. My friend Scott Wilhite developed this app. Scott, tell us about it. Well, uh, it's called Feed Your Happy. It's like seven habits meets the Fitbit, where you get Mm, mental training on seven core skills to happiness, and you get the tracking ability too, so that you can chart. Anything you chart improves faster. If you like apps, if you like games, if you like happy, this is it. Feed Your Happy, it's available now in the App Store. Welcome back, everyone. Corby Mitleid at Live On Purpose Radio. Corby, you've got some great energy around this topic, and I think it comes from a lot of personal experience. Um, oh, yeah. Um, if, if I could have planned my life with more stupid in it, I'm not sure where I would have fit it. Um, <laughs> I've been through three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, um, uh, an abusive first marriage, poverty, and I came from a very wealthy family. You know, dad was a nice Jewish doctor, the way they always said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put myself through the ringer, but managed by the time I was in my 40s to learn a few things, as they say. It's one of the reasons I love doing uh, intuitive counseling, because I don't sit there, I'm not you know, a a typical, well, if you're doing this, then obviously your problem is that. No, No. you're going to know what your problem is. And I'm here to help and hold up a mirror and say, is this what it is? Is this how we want to work with it? And that's the whole point behind writing this book. There are 6,942 fabulous self-help books out there. And we've all been buying, me too. I've been buying them since I was a teenager and they were going to teach me how to be this thin, confident, gorgeous teenager yes, here's to the- now thin, confident, postmenopausal, wise, blah, blah, blah. Right. But all of them say, do it the way I tell you. And it works. Mm-hmm. Wrong answer. You know, what, what I do is I, I differentiate very strongly between a guru and a mentor. A mentor is somebody who pushes you a little farther than you think you can go kicks you out of the nest a little before you think you're ready to fly and then sits in the audience and applauds you when they get an, you get an award for being better than they are. Think about Meryl Streep thanking her theater teacher at Yale. Okay. That means that theater teacher was a great mentor. Gurus are the ones who say, well, I have the knowledge and eventually you will get there, but you have to buy all these. And now you have to come on this cruise with me and, 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 and you're always told you're not quite there. You'll always be a little that bit me. Drives me nuts. So the way I wrote Clean Out Your Life Closet is the book is only half written until the reader works with me because no one else has lived their life, seen their challenges, walked through their questions. No self-help book without taking into account what the reader's gone through is going to go ding for them, which is why we buy all these books and maybe one chapter works and the rest of it is forget it. And it's on the shelf. And, you know, we could all populate libraries. 
So one of the ways that I work with that is number one, the word must appears in the book maybe three times. Mm. There ain't no musts, darlings. I give you suggestions. But at the end of each chapter, there is something called the adventure pages. Mm-hmm. And there are no right or wrong answers for that. For instance, uh, let's take the idea of getting clear on your purpose, because that's one of the chapters. Right. Some of the questions that you get to answer. What did you think purpose was before you read the chapter? Has your idea of purpose changed? Did you know what your purpose was? What was it? Is it the same now? What comes to mind when you think of someone who's clear on their purpose? Mm. What would you want to ask them? Notice, every single person's going to answer those differently. And then the best part is what I call the invention page. It's a blank page. Mm -hmm. They get to write down what I call the arrows in the quiver, the three things that they really loved from that chapter. And then they illustrate it. It's kind of like their own divination card, their own oracle card. Mm. And again, that will be different for every single person. So John and Jack and Ben, and they could all read the chapter and have three totally different bunches of adventure pages, and every one of them would be right. And at the end of the book, that book has totally become the reader's as well as mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know another book out there that does that. The principles are typically consistent from, from one person to another. So you're identifying principles, including clarity, simplicity. Um, adaptability. These are principles. And I think that those consistent. Every person's individual experience has to be different. And and there's no other way that it can be. So uh, the acknowledgement, Corby, that you're living your life. I'm not. Therefore, I am not an expert on your life. Exactly. Sure, but then you you get to apply them. One of the things that taught me this right away, Mm -hmm. I had a woman that I worked for for years, admired her very much, brilliant, knew her field inside and out, very powerful. But as far as she was concerned, the way she saw the world was the way I needed to see the world. And it wasn't. And I kept turning myself inside out denying what I knew and what I thought because it didn't fit her worldview until finally what I had to do is I had to break away, find my own career. We're still friends. Mm -hmm. We don't talk as much because she is still thinking the way she does it is the way the world has to do it. And I've moved past that, but she was one of my very best teachers because she taught me the difference between the guru and mentor and the fact that we must stand up for who we are inside. We cannot allow someone else to tell us who we are, especially if that inner core says no. Sometimes no is a fabulous idea. Oh yeah. Sometimes no opens up the possibility for your next. Yes. Exactly. So exactly. So. Well, uh, when we say no to what stops us, then we can say yes to everything else that we want. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go. I, I was just saying kind of like cleaning out a closet. Yes, yes. Um, clean, clean Out Your Life Closet is actually the first book of three in the self-development project. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you need to do is clean it out. Then what are you going to put back in the closet? That book is going to be called The Big Reboot, kind mm-hmm. of like rebooting your computer. 
But once you've cleaned out and once you've chosen new things, what do you create with it? So the third book will be called Be Your Own Masterpiece. Mm. They'll be constructed the way this book is with adventure pages. And at the end of that series of three books, your life may look very, very different. But dear ones, it ain't me. It will all have been you. You will have cleaned and chosen and created. And I'll be standing on the sidelines with my cheerleading pom-poms and waving flags. Right. And the greatest honor that, that a true mentor has, like you said earlier, is that those that they are coaching become greater or, or better at or more, what, successful. Authentic. I hate to use the word successful. Authentic. 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 You're the only one who can create this. And for you to create it means that the whole world gets to enjoy that in one way or another. It's, it's inspiring. Everyone who is listening can be a teacher to someone. In fact, I personally think that's part of our agreement when we come down here. We have to pass on what we know to the next generation. Right. So what Susie knows will be different from what I know. All of it's valid. Right. And collaboratively, we have this creative power that is just amazing. I have yes. a question for you, Corby, before, before mm-hmm. we run out of time here today. You've got a yeah. uh, sort of uncommon relationship with stress. Um, and I think in your book, you say something about make friends with it. Can you address yeah. that this moment? Oh, absolutely. The whole point about stress is it's not always bad. Some stress is good. The, you know, that stress of getting ready to go on for an audition, that pushing yourself to do something fabulously, that challenge to meet a goal. Those are all called eustress, E-U stress, good stress. The bad stress can either be hyper stress, so much on you that you break, or hypo stress, that those are when there's just not enough stimulation and you bounce around in the house and you're always looking in the refrigerator and you pick up a book and you read it and you throw it down. You can't settle. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you know the difference between good stress and bad stress so that if it's the difficult stress, you know, stress busters. And those are things like uh, get up and move, set your boundaries, literally hug yourself. But then you need to see how stress works. And the two ways I talk about it are the shot across the bow and mission creep. Uh, The shot across the bow is when you're just bumbling along and then something goes, boom, hits you in the face and it's a wake up call. Um, For me, it was how I was ingesting sugar. And one day it just threw me off the cliff. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful with that. Mission creep is when you do something because you enjoy it. Somebody else says, would you do that for me? Yeah, you make time and somebody else and somebody else until what you enjoy is now nothing but obligations for everybody else. Your joy has been sucked out. That's a case of where you have to say no. Mm -hmm. And the last part is stress the donkey in the hole in the ground. Sometimes stress is unavoidable. Um, For people who don't know the story of uh, the donkey in the hole in the ground, very briefly, old donkey falls in a hole. His owner says, ah, that's okay. He's too old to bother with. I'll just bury him. So the farmer and the farmhands are all digging and throwing dirt on top of the donkey and the donkey is bringing. And then all of a sudden it stops. 
And everyone figures, okay, the donkey's dead. Well, as they put the last bunch of dirt in, the donkey walks up because the donkey has seen the dirt and used it to walk out. Right. So in cases like that, you need your ABC priority list. Got to do it. Really want to in your dreams, bucko. Mm. And just accept you're not going to get it all done. Give yourself a pass. Do what you can and be okay. Rather than sitting here stewing about, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. I can't do it all. Pick your battles. That happens to be true. You can't do it all. And that's okay. So pick and choose. Like the donkey, take it off and step up. That's right. That's right. The the old idea of, of superwoman who can do it all and men that are supposed to do it all, that was a disservice. We are human. And our ancestors were not expected to do it all. Just because we have the electronic marvels we do doesn't mean that we get to set aside our humanity or vulnerability or self-care. Right. We have to remember that. Which gets right back to that first point that you made, Corby, that we get we get that clarity. Clarity about our purpose and about who we are. We're not these super human. In fact, just drop the super and then we are human. And yes, get okay with that. Awesome. There, there is one thing that I do um, to talk about purpose. I work with my clients. I do something called create your sentence of passion. Mm-hmm. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on ball tires and fumes in the tank, God hands your cup of coffee and says, so you get to say, this is what I did. And when people can find out what their sentence of passion is, purpose becomes brilliant and all pervasive. You can always be doing your purpose if you know what your passion is. Mm. Corby, you've brought some value to live on purpose radio today. How can people you. find you? Where where do they go to find your book? I know it launches in early 2017. Um, yes, yes. January 31st is the date. Right now, they can go to cleanoutyourlifecloset.com where they can download the first chapter for free. They'll sign up for the Self-Development Insider, which will always have new information and discounts and previews and things that other people will not have. If they are interested in working with me, then they just go to CorbyMidline.com. They'll see everything I do. There's probably about 150 blog posts with all kinds of thinkitude in it. And um, this is my full-time job. I work six days a week. You'll be able to find me. Awesome. That's Corby Mitlide, spelled M-I-T-L-E-I-D. And Corby, O-R-B-I-E. Is that correct? Yes. C-O-R-B-I-E. Yes. As, as we sign off here today, Corby, what, what would be one of your final ideas that you'd like to share with our, our audience as we part today? Well, sure, too. Number one, guys, I'm not special. You can do what I do. Mm-hmm. You can. And the other is I will leave you with what my sentence of passion is, which is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B, when they thought they couldn't make it, tap them on their shoulder and say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan. Now get, I am living my passion. That's the purpose of the book. It's the purpose of my work. And it is what I strive to give every single person I work with. 
Wonderful. I think you've done that today for, for me and for our listeners. Thank you, Corby. My pleasure. That's uh, it for today, folks. It's time. Go out there and live on purpose. <laughs>